Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Knowledge Exchange podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Arbilla, lead mentor at the Knowledge Exchange, where we run courses and mentorship for clinicians looking to apply a BPS approach to their clinical practice. We've got some in-person courses coming up in 2023, so check it out at tkex.org. I'm joined today by special guest, exercise physiologist, and business owner of Active Connections, Danny Phillips. He's got a wealth of lived experiences, and I find it very helpful to hear from clinicians on the ground applying a BPS approach to their practice within the context of Australian healthcare. So, Danny, very much appreciate you making the time for us. Thank you, mate. I always value our time together that we've spent mentoring things like that. Yeah. And so yeah, you've done so for a background for the listeners, you've done one of our courses, an in-person one before COVID hit. Just remind me. Yes. In uh, 2018, a knowledge exchange course, uh, the low, low back pain, BPS so you, approach. You were stuck with Brendan, you poor thing. Was it Brendan and Luke? I had both the boys. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and you've done... Uh, 10 mentoring sessions and a few group ones as well with us? Yes, had the, had the block of 10 one-on-one sessions with yourself. And then I've um, managed to join in on a couple of the, the group sessions, which have been great. Awesome. Mate, keen to, to dive into your experiences. But if we start from, from the start, and I know you've got a, a bit of lived experience yourself with pain. Um, what's, if we start from wherever you want, maybe not childhood memories and, and all that. Um, from, um, from the start, what's your story? So starting from this end, I'm an exercise physiologist based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia, uh, originally from Sydney. So I had a very active childhood, always drawn to physios, chiros and the like. Thought they had this amazing specialist knowledge and magic hands to get people back into sport. So I had my sets uh, so I set on physio very early, um, but had some family issues at the, the final years of uh, high schooling. So that plan didn't happen, didn't get the marks to, to go to uni. So I became a personal trainer uh, and worked in that position for a couple of years, but the lifestyle wasn't really for me. So then I went down a different path. So totally different IT traineeship. Um, and then went a little bit different after that, where I was for about four years, I was a brickies laborer for eight months each year. And then four months, I'd go to Thailand and train Muay Thai and live that life. And it was probably, yeah, over in Thailand, living, training with combat athletes, injuries, sports performance, that that spark was reignited for the health and, and sports kind of industry. So I, I was back in Sydney and I completed a Bachelor of Exercise and Sports Science in Sydney. And then I was still on that physio kind of path so I was in Canberra at the time I did a, a short course six months a graduate certificate in human movement just trying to maximize my GPA to get entry into a master's of physio because it's obviously very competitive uh, but last last moment I swung back and I actually completed a master's of clinical exercise physiology in Sydney and I've um, 2017 I graduated and then I, I worked a year in occupational rehab, uh, relocated to Brisbane and the Gold Coast. And I've worked for the past five years in Indigenous health, in mainly chronic disease management. And like you said, working in my own business part-time and next year working exclusively in my own private business. Wow. What a journey. So from personal training to um, doing bricky, being a bricky, is that the construction work and then doing um, Muay Thai as a as an athlete. Tell me a bit more. Yeah, so I I was into personal training and and that lifestyle. I was working I think five a.m. till twelve and then two till ten p.m. and I was just that really impacted my lifestyle and and my training and the way I wanted to live and I was just feeling burnt out. Um, and you only paid for the the time the clients are there, so you had a lot of a lot of gaps. Um, got into IT, but then the mentor actually uh, changed professions. So I was left without a, a mentor to complete that. And then I 
yeah, worked as a brickies labourer and was a, yeah, in Thailand for a couple of months each year and just competing, um, yeah, on a, just on a low level. So just fighting over there and I got back to Australia and some, some fighting over here as well. So just a couple of times in the ring. Cool. And you had your sights set on more of the sports background. What, tell us a bit more about your um, motivations towards, you mentioned initially physio, Cairo, and then last minute towards EP. What was that kind of transition like? Yeah, initially physio. I think when I was younger, that's all I really came in contact. Um, Cairo, physios, um, obviously not so much EP back then. Um, and just, yeah, connection with sport, just everything sport provider, community, competition, um, all those type of things that I just loved. Um, so I saw physio as that, working in that environment closely with people, uh, helping them get back to valued activities and just have, having this specialist knowledge of the body and just these hands-on techniques where they could really, back then, I thought, fix people. And um, yeah, just it's something I was really, really attracted to. But I did have some experiences and some placements uh, throughout my uh, bachelor degree where I started to think maybe that acute care, hands-on, uh, what I thought TheraBand, low-level exercises wasn't so much for me. And I saw the use of exercise for chronic conditions and that just excited me. So diabetes, cancer, osteoporosis and the impact exercise could have and EPs, it, it seemed more of a holistic approach, seeing a whole person. It just aligned better with my values, I believe. And I kind of drifted that way. And that's why I ended up in the Masters of EP in, in um, ACU in Sydney. And I loved it. Interesting. Yeah. And so you started off, I can resonate with my own journey of like wanting to be more in the sports world. And then you had a few experiences in, in placement that kind of changed your mind and, and your viewpoint of the, the value of exercise for long-term chronic conditions. And then, um, you, so you did the, the masters, the two years masters. I'm curious with your, what were some of your experiences like what led to that kind of mindset shift? Yeah, it was experiences through, through practicals and, and family members with chronic conditions. Uh, my dad saw an EP at one stage and I, I just, yeah, didn't really know so much about using exercise as a tool for these chronic conditions and seeing blood glucose levels drop and HbA1c improving over time. And it was just such a, an active management strategy, which I loved. I was moving away from... That, that passive people receiving care. I felt it was more integrated with the patient or the person and the clinician. Um, so it was just a few of those experiences. It felt more holistic and really aligned with, with my values and how I'd like to work with people, seeing them as people and not as a knee or a shoulder, which I felt from some of the physios I was in contact with, it felt more you were labeled and then I've got, I've got a shoulder at three o'clock and knee at four. It, it just felt different. Was that also with um, some of your own experiences, I imagine, as a, as a very active person with an active lifestyle from, from personal kind of pain and injury standpoints? Yeah, so being active year-round, playing lots of different sports, uh, and, and my brother also, an active family, a lot, a lot of different injuries and coming into contact with different health professionals and looking back and um, some of the the treatments or the narratives provided um, were quite harmful long-term. So even I, I held on to some beliefs from Kairos um, that I needed constant adjustments for it's a slight scoliosis, but I held on to that belief for a long time and it really impacted me. And then an ankle injury I had, I saw a sports medicine doctor and I thought it was over for any recreational uh, pursuits I had with Muay Thai. I thought I had to give up. I was told uh, it's surgery or it's never going to be the same. And I actually had an experience. I was going through my bachelor degree and I was down that biomedical rabbit hole. I was really I was looking at slings, kinetic chains. Um, I was thinking a different way. And I saw a, a physio in Sydney, uh, Anthony Lowe, and his approach was very different. And that really sparked some curiosity 
inside me. And I think that was one of the key experiences which put me down a different path, which was then followed up with the Knowledge Exchange course um, and then obviously led me into, into mentoring. But I think it all started around that one experience there. Yeah, it's so fascinating reflecting back on our own experiences and, and how they've shaped our direction moving forward. And it's all about like the few turning points within that. So you had your own personal uh, experience with a real injury and then your own persisting pain that was um, unexpected and a bit different to previous treatments that you had before. And then you were doing your masters of EP um, and, and you had our course, what was the kind of timeline between your own uh, personal experience and like a bit of an expectancy violation and feel free to as well to um, tell us a bit more as much as you're willing to um, with what that was like, like what made it so different and how it impacted you then moving forward. Yeah, definitely. I remember I was in Canberra. I was doing the um, graduate certificate in human movement, trying to get that GP as high as I could get it to get into physio. And I joined a new Muay Thai gym and I was I kicked, I was caught and I was swept. And I had a, an ankle sprain. I saw a sports um, medicine doctor in Canberra. And I just came out of that appointment deflated. And I thought it was, and obviously my identity was tied in with this. I'm a, I'm a fighter. Um, that's my persona. Uh, it's what I do for, for health, for mental health. So to walk out, I just felt deflated. Um, and I locked that ankle down. I really didn't move it. I, it really changed how I lived. And then returning to Sydney, um, I saw Anthony, Anthony Lowe. And he, instead of just the ankle, he saw me as a whole person. He was interested in me and my experiences, my beliefs. Um, and then I was having an issue with squatting, with the, with the ankle pain and restriction. And he got me squatting in the first session. So he did some assessments and um, looked at how I was moving and what I believed, things like that. And at the time, I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know the terms you would apply to these techniques or what they really meant. Um, but looking back, it was, yeah, movement experiments, experiential learning, um, and then violating my, yeah, the expectancy violation. So what I believe was going to happen. And he set it up in a way that I felt he was confident and I felt safe in that environment. So the context felt right, felt positive. Um, and we tried the movement and nothing happened. I, I could do it and it was fine. And then that, yeah, from, from avoiding it altogether and being told I, surgery was the only path to, to have that experience, like anyone could have told me that, I don't think it would have meant anything, but to experience it really changed my, how I, how I saw things. And he gave me that experience. Um, and I, I remember going, hey, he, he didn't follow up and say, you have to come back or anything like that. He just said, we'll touch base and see if you need any more support. But you could just go with what you've got now. I remember going away and writing tons of notes. It just, I couldn't believe it. It was, I went away excited. And that is where I had the change and thought, there's something more to this. It's not just structures and um, all separate parts in the human body. There's how we think and perceive things, our prior experiences all play a part. So that was the first spark. But then there was some time where I was back in the biomedical model, back in my master's of EP, and I didn't really experience that again. And I started to see people as fragile and you have to exercise with an EP. That's what we'll kind of taught to, to differentiate ourselves from a personal trainer. You have to, you have to be safe. You train with an EP. Um, so I started to see people as fragile again and, and looking at uh, muscle imbalances and, and no room for movement variability. So I moved, kind of shifted back a little bit to where I'd previously been. Um, and then listening to some podcasts, I started to hear some of these things Anthony took me through. And then the Knowledge Exchange course came up. I think before that, actually, an Adam Meekins course. So I just moved to Brisbane and I'd already booked it and I traveled back. And it was a, he had a bit of a different approach. And then it was a Knowledge Exchange course. And I had both the boys there and it was, yeah, very eye-opening. And that solidified a lot of the ways of thinking and changed my approach. Um, 
applying that in practice was the next issue. And that's where the mentoring came in, but definitely was the knowledge, knowledge exchange course that really solidified some of that thinking and, and thought, okay, this, I'm onto something here. This seems to be a, a better approach. It's so fascinating to hear how you had your own lived experience and then through education, so through the masters, I guess it's very much still within a uh, reductionism kind of lens and we see an EP as being uh, highly, you know, well-trained and, and looking at certain um, movement in a pathoanatomical way. It, even though you had your own lived experience prior, you, you still were immersed within that context and, and shaped from that experience. So it still took a few more experiences with other role models like Adam Meekins and like our own course to, to help you see um, and understand, make sense of a more BPS person-centered approach. Um, so it's really fascinating. You went like one way and then back the other way and then towards a more BPS approach, I can kind of see the line going up and down in your journey. Do, do you, do you see that now reflecting? I can definitely see that. And I think uh, working as a personal trainer, I was probably more confident. Uh, I worked with people make, making uh, exercise enjoyable and looking at goals. And I was yeah focused on the person then. And then I went through five years of uni and I was, like you said, really on that disease deficit model. Uh, I'd been taught about BPS, but just about the framework, not about really how to apply it. It was kind of just a tick the box. Yet yeah, we've, we've talked about that. And then it was breaking people back down. Um, so I, yeah, I definitely did change. And then coming out of the course, I, I saw people as vulnerable and fragile and, and unsafe. And um, yeah, we had all these skills. I think, yeah, putting the five years of uni and the time, the money, and that sunk cost fallacy, it's, it's hard to change when you've put so much so much into it um so i definitely did move a little bit i can yeah look back the people i followed on social media back then and the recommendations i, I gave to people and then i've come back to the middle then i've gone back the other way i've swung around a little bit it, there's definitely a lot of movement there um and i think the experience with anthony was a key point because i was part of that experience and it really stayed with me but it was, it was hard to implement. And then to be swung back through uni, this is how we're supposed to practice. You go into employment and it's very hard to make change in the organization. There's a set way of doing things. And if, if they're on that biomedical path, your thoughts of the BPS model do get pushed aside. And there could be a focus on KPIs, financing, adherence, um, servicing, things like that. It does feel hard to to implement it. Um, so the course was a big part of that journey, but really the mentoring is where I saw the change being put into practice for the first time. I felt after the, the course, I had all this great knowledge and examples and we did do some role playing during the course. It was great, but without ongoing supervision and feedback and outside perspective, I feel like you do slip back. And you, you, the path of least resistance, you go back to what you're possibly doing before, what fits your context and uh, what your colleagues are doing, what your boss is doing. Um, yeah, so the, the mentoring was a, a, a huge thing for me. Yes, yeah, I think that's uh, very awesome to hear because it kind of um, illuminates how normal it is to go back and forth and, and to feel a bit confused and to be so influenced by our context. I think it can be... Um, maybe a, an expectation that's unrealistic if we were to think that one weekend course would be all we need, even one lived experience or even, you know, one of these factors in isolation, it takes uh, a support network and a, a context around us to help support and reinforce certain ways of practicing. One thing is also knowing it in theory, but another is then applying it and making mistakes along the way and shaping the application within your workplace. Um, and with that in mind, tell us a little bit more about your, your experience. What were some of the, the challenges um, post the knowledge exchange course in yeah, trying to apply a, a BPS approach? 
Yeah, that's right. I think you're knowing and doing is definitely two separate things and being able to refine and practice strategies and skills. It's a skill. So you do need constant practice and, and feedback and you don't just do the course and you've got it. You can tick that off and you can just go into the next next week and practice in a, in a totally new way. Um, but I did, so I, I worked in occupational rehab straight out of uni. So just before the, the knowledge exchange course. And I think having an Excel was fresh out of uni um, and there was an experienced or a longstanding EP, um, very biomedical approach. And I felt like it would be hard to ap apply this BPS model. They were very stuck down that, that pathway. Um, in my next position, so moving up to Brisbane, working in Indigenous health, we each got our own location, two locations, and there's a lot of autonomy. So you were in a team and we had a, a large multidisciplinary team, but you did have your own site. So you had a lot of autonomy to practice how you liked, even if colleagues were practicing differently and you were interacting with other allied health that were maybe acting as, as fixers, not in that BPS model. So with shared patients, I found it very hard, especially if the clinician, the other clinician was older, uh, more respected, or even if they were in a, in a different profession that was maybe more respected than EP in the, the eyes of the general population, physio, GP, specialist, with EP sometimes not being as high up. Um, so it was very hard to implement with, with those kind of constraints. And I, I felt really frustrated, lost, and burnt out in the end. I was considering leaving the industry. So I had put those five years in and I thought, this isn't for me. It's just, it's, it's hard. I feel like I'm not getting anywhere, not heard. And then I thought even I might need to go back and do the Masters of Physio. Um, and is that enough? Do I need to do something with OT, with psychology, with pain science? I, I didn't feel like I had enough. And I remember going to the knowledge exchange course, and I think it was Brendan saying that he felt inadequate as an EP and went into some hands-on courses with like Maitland, McKenzie and dry needling and it, just to get some assessment skills, some hands-on treatment skills, because maybe as an EP, we didn't have enough. And I resonated with that. Um, so I was on the verge of thinking, maybe this isn't for me and, I, and I'm considering leaving. And it was the knowledge exchange course that, put me back on track to stay in the industry. And then that's where I, I was back on track and that's when I reached out for the mentoring. I thought, no, I, I want to I do this, but I'm going to have to change how I practice. I'm going to need some support. And that's when I went down that pathway. But that was a key challenge I had was working uh, in a medical center where people had had a doctor for 20, 30 years and they're the GP. They sit at the top of the rung and the physio's, older than me, he's um, more experienced supposedly, and um, or they could like those people better, they've got a good relationship. You're coming in with this different narrative. I did feel like I was gonna start butting heads and I didn't know how to, to manage that challenge. And I remember that was a key thing I took into the mentoring and I asked, how do I, how do I work with this? Yes, it's so cool to, to hear and, and reflect back on some of the the very real challenges that uh, it helps to to discuss more of it's that initially it sounds like you had um, you were butting heads with maybe some colleagues or the actual processes and systems um, within your workplace and next it was uh, you had that autonomy it was more when people had established relationships or yet yeah, you had shared patients with other clinicians, it would have been challenging to have a completely different approach. It would have been maybe a bit confusing for the, the patient in the middle when they're told certain advice from say a GP or another healthcare professional. And then you're almost practicing in a, almost the opposite philosophy or framework. Tell us a little bit more about that. And, and am I on the right track as well? Yeah, 100%. It, it's um, coming into an organization with set systems and say even we went through in, in mentoring our initial assessment form and it's, 
it's just a set form and you you work from page one to page 10 and you see your colleagues that have been there for longer than you who you shadow them and you learn how they do it and then you feel that's the only way to practice and um, you're kind of stuck in that system and then you've got colleagues with um, working in a non-person-centered way and then which is fine you have those discussions but when you've got the shared patients it can be really challenging it feels like you're trying to overcome all this misinformation or at times it can be um, just unhelpful but other times it can be harmful for this person and you care about helping them and you're coming you're, you're kind of fighting against the other clinicians information and trying to get the patient on side and it just feels like a big battle and that I think led to feeling burnt out and I was working the hardest in the room and and it just felt like would you just give in and you just have to go the way they're going and but the the advice they were receiving from the other clinicians so it could be any other allied health or the GP was stopping exercise at feeling some type of uncomfortable sensation um, and it had a big impact on how we work together so that's what I found hard was I was felt like I was making some positive ground and then they'd go to the next appointment and then they'd come back and tell me, I can't do that. That's going to damage me. I feel broken. I actually need to rest. I don't even need to be moving. I felt like they're moving away from the goals we had set. And I just felt stuck again, even though I knew another way, I think that was harder knowing there was another way, but not being able to implement it was even more frustrating. And you feel like, can you, recommend they go on a course like the knowledge exchange can you give them some information you're just going to change their beliefs and it's not obviously not that easy so I just ended up feeling stuck and that's yeah led me into the mentoring and a lot of the strategies so working with patients and and working with colleagues or um, clinicians with shared patients and strategies and just really breaking it down and thinking about what we're trying to do here that's what I found helpful Mate, this, your experience is, is echoed in current clinicians that I'm seeing with mentoring. It's, it's, a, it's really uh, common to have that frustration where we are stuck and we feel like uh, the roadblock is, is more so the, the beliefs or the expectations from patients based on their previous experiences. Um, and we, we feel like it often put that blame on ourselves that we are the ones who are inadequate and we don't know enough or we don't have the certain skill sets um, and it, and the skill sets generally becomes more of a almost a, a status of like an authority that if, if we were just you know if we were specialists and we were GPS or we had all the the magic fixes and tools to 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 use on patients then they would come across to the other side and you know um, it would you know, change their, their mindset completely. It's, um, it's fascinating how we get taught that it's, it's more our responsibility and our, the outcomes are based on what, what we need to say or, or do. So with that in mind, but what, um, first of all, am I on the right track? And second of all, what kind of skill sets did you learn and um, what was helpful to handle that frustration that you had? Yeah, I did. I res resonated with that. I felt like I needed, even if it was just for the title, like, do I just go and spend some more time, spend some more money, get that master's of physio? I might not even apply a lot of the things I'd learned. Maybe not. I just wanted that title, possibly just that authority, which would then get me buy-in. And then I could, I could just work. Now they trusted me. I'm not just an EP or just a personal trainer. I thought I needed more. So assessment skills, um, definitely hands-on skills. I felt like it was those type of technical skills. But really looking back, it's just uh, for me diving down that rabbit hole of the fixer mindset, going further into it, just to be a better fixer is what I found. I realized that I wanted to be. Um, so working on a lot of other skills, skills I already had. So some of them were just developing them and refining them. And others were just looking at some issues I was having in a different way. Um, and just the, the models or frameworks, guidelines, whatever you want to use, the lens that you see the world, see what you're doing. 
just just thinking more deeply about things was um, a big overarching theme. So yeah, it felt more like philosophy at points and, and different things like that. But it, it felt like I was looking at my work in a different way, which I found really helpful. Um, and during my master's, I was fortunate enough, we did have uh, counsellors, psychologists that did do a motivational interviewing unit. But even within the teaching team, there was some belief that really should it even be there? Is it helpful? Shouldn't we have some more, more anatomy, some more hands-on skills? It's a bit fluffy, um, trying to use these mind trick skills. Um, but I, I was introduced to it then, but obviously it's a skill as well. So without utilizing it, um, practicing it, refining it, having a, a supervisor, a mentor, I, I fell away from it. But through the mentoring, uh, there's definitely, so I got introduced to the psychologically informed approach um, and then some strategies within that approach, which I found really helpful for interacting with, with um, patients. I don't like saying patients, but yeah, the people I work with and other clinicians, things like that. So I think some, some strategies and um, methods of communicating um, were more helpful. So what people might call soft skills, but I found they were really what I found the most helpful. I didn't need more technical skills. I, I was more developing my communication skills, my understanding skills and seeing the whole person again. Yeah, it's, it, and it's not to downplay hands-on at all in this case. It's, it's more, I, I guess, our expectations of what the hands-on skills might give us. That's the problem, not the hands-on skills itself, would, would you say? To expand on that point, Danny? Oh, definitely. At the time, I just thought what hands-on did, I thought, so it's out of my scope of practice. So it's attractive because I don't have access to it. Um, and then hearing patients that were just feeling like that was the be-all and end-all. It was the magic source that really glued everything together. Um, but it was, yeah, the narrative around it and, and obviously can be helpful at the right time, place, setting, context. Um, but even with that, I went from thinking there's no point in manual, uh, manual therapy and I've gone the other way and come back in, in between. So, yeah, it was definitely my understanding there. Yeah, so the mentoring seems to be a, it was a place to reflect on our own kind of assumptions and what we've been taught and the lens that we were seeing things through. Um, and also, as a full disclosure, Danny, if there were any parts that you found were not helpful or, you know, my jokes weren't landing the right way because they sometimes they're like dad jokes and they just end up being really shit. Um, feel free to be as honest as you want. Um, but yeah, so looking at skill sets, sounds like frameworks, reflecting on some of the assumptions and lenses that we had and then the communication skills that are often called soft skills, but they're fucking hard to actually practice and apply and implement. Am I on the right track there? Oh, definitely. And yeah, and I think sometimes you might feel like you're applying these skills and it's only when really you've got, I feel you speak to someone outside perspective and or you've got a mentor that maybe you're not applying them or not in, in, in the right way or, or the best way or most helpful way. Um, but it, it definitely a lot of, yeah, and I don't like to tie it down to I'm doing MI um, or I'm using these, like they're just ways of thinking and they're, um, strategies and and things we can use just to really see the whole person um but it was a lot of yeah communication which is which is hard but when you really look at our job a lot of a lot of it is communicating with people so we're not trying to be psychologists but i can see how we're using some skills within scope which were really helpful um just being open-ended questions and letting the person in front of me really collaborate with me all the things i'd learn about PF, bps during uni, but now I was actually uh, applying them to my, to my practice. Um, and yeah, only a, a basic understanding of MI and, and ACT really, but definitely taking some key strategies that change the whole way that I interact with patients or, or other clinicians, in fact, as well. It just, it didn't feel as much of a struggle, like I was fighting against people and there wasn't as much pressure on me. Um, 
it did, in a way, like the, the skills you've got to work on, but in a way it felt easier. It felt, yeah, a lot of less, pre less of a fixer mentality, I felt. Yeah, so the, the skills were difficult, but it made like the job a lot easier because we can have that, uh, I don't know about your mind, but my mind always puts so much pressure on knowing the right answer or like knowing the right thing to say or to do. And I should know, you know, the, the right exercise prescription uh, for this person. And it's the skill to like notice that. And then it's less of a struggle uh, to, to come up with uh, some strategies at that time, like in the present with the person in front of us. So we can see their, their context and it's less of us like trying to fight their own understanding or their beliefs or like even our own internal fight of what we should know or what we should be doing with someone. Um, but at the same time, like zooming out, I don't think, um, I don't know about you, Danny, I, I wouldn't have um, been bought into the soft skills or the communication skills when I was looking at, like I was missing hands-on skills myself. Um, so what would you say like to maybe newer clinicians that are um, feeling that similar like inadequacy that we don't have enough, we don't know enough? Because I think that that's not necessarily a, a, a negative or a, a bad feeling to have, but what, what, what kind of advice would you provide based on your experiences? Yeah, I'd say to, yeah, the, some of the, the ways you see your patient. So don't be too hard on yourself and have, have compassion. So it's normal to want to be to better, want to be better and, and grow um, and to feel frustrated that they're all normal, normal feelings. But I'd say, yeah, just listening and reading widely and I think joining communities. So like through um, your group on Facebook, so it can be a safe place to share um, questions and, and ways of thinking, but then also not getting, which doesn't happen with that group, but it's stuck in kind of echo chambers in one space, but you can be talking and discussing with all different professions, which I found um, so helpful, remaining curious and open. Um, and then obviously I found, yeah, the knowledge exchange course was, was huge for me, but I felt like I was getting into this path of I was going to be spending a lot of money on time on courses, which is great, but at what cost and was I going to apply any of this and was it really helping my practice? So for me, having, like other professions have, supervisors and, and mentoring, I think that's a big thing, um, like EPs and physios, things like that, we, we don't have. We finish uni and then we go into our first job and you're really molded by that organization, your boss, your manager, the way they've been doing things, and it can be hard to make change. Um, so the mentoring was really key for me. I think having someone from outside my organization um, was really helpful. So just that outside perspective and just support. So de debriefing about things and uncomfortable feelings and it's normal to feel like this was huge for me. So it felt like, yeah, I was going in trying to help patients it was definitely helping me and my mental health and preventing burnout i was listened to i was heard um told i was having similar challenges to other people it's all it's been part of the growth process so it's uncomfortable but it's been part of it um but i think as well it's really active so with a course you might be in a room and it isn't individualized to you so that is normally directed at everyone in the room and it may often be one-way communication, didactic. You're just being presented with information, PowerPoint slides, you go away. But with mentoring, it's based on what you wanna learn, where you wanna grow and you provided strategies. There's role modeling from your mentor and role playing so you can work on some strategies so that experiential learning. Because um, I, I found I could read about MI all I, all I like and but it was really practicing the key skills that is where I started to, to see growth and, and started to see a change. I felt like courses were awesome, but it wasn't getting me to that stage. I really had to be participating. And at times I felt uncomfortable. I know you get to the end and say, what was your takeaway? And at this, the first one or two, I was like, shit, I can't, there was so much going on and I'm, I can't even remember. And, and it just got me to think deeply 
on on certain topics and be more reflective as well. So I feel like, yeah, I've picked up a lot of great skills and attributes from the mentoring. Yeah, it's awesome. It's um, the more experiential practice and, and feedback and just having that space, as well as you mentioned that uh, supervision is mandatory in a few other professions, but for some reason in the physical therapy professions, it's, it's not. It, it's like if we're being whole person-centered, we are also humans and, and people that need that time and that space to reflect and have the skills to reflect and, and, you know, have our own thoughts, feelings, and inner experiences held in a safe space. Um, you, you mentioned like compassion, having more compassion with clients and having that space as well to have that compassion back for our own selves um, with that curiosity and, and reflective space. I think that's super, super important and, and, underrated i feel for eps physios osteos chiros would, would you add anything else as well to that oh, and i found when i had um students on practicum and um other new grad colleagues that i could then i resonated with those struggles they were having and then not going in trying to knock down the doors of they're going down this really biomedical path. They're going on these courses that maybe I've been on myself and thinking that's a waste of time. But I think I had to go through all that to get to where I am now. And I think you can take things away from every course. Um, there are positives you can take away and you may need to go down that path to, to realize there's another way. So instead of jumping in going, oh, I don't think you should be doing that course. I'm a little bit more open and trying to, to help people reflect and, and think, yeah, with curiosity and, and yeah, clinical, clinical mindness and, and really think about it and then see how they went at the course. But I found after mentoring, I was seen as a bit of a mentor for some of the, the students and, and new grad colleagues. And then I could really compound some of the skills I had, had learned and, and definitely refine them and, and ask for ta their takeaways, their feedback and to see it from the other end. Um, so definitely felt benefit in, in teaching other people. So mentoring both ways. So cool. The, um, the same skill sets apply. I think we forget that with um, a person-centered approach to, to clients that we help and also person-centered towards our colleagues having you know, that compassion and curiosity. Um, I'm curious as well, Danny, with the transition from full-time employment, part-time employment to now running your own business. What, what was that like? Because a lot of listeners, I'm sure, that are considering that as a possibility, but unsure of, of the process. And it seems like you had a, that gradual step-by-step -step process to where you are now. Could you tell us a bit more what that transition and journey was like? Yeah, I definitely I, I took the approach of a very soft entry so i transitioned to, to part-time obviously having yeah so I, I just had a new mortgage um and things like that the the financial constraints obviously all these things that come into it and, and barriers so i i was working part-time and then uh, started to work part-time in the business which for me i'm a bit of a perfectionist as well i felt like it gave me time um, to really work on the back end of the business and, and all those skills you don't have. And you've got to be everything when you're in the business. You're, you're in every single department. You're every part. It's not just open it and they will come and you just focus on the, on the clinical side. Um, so I found that for me, taking the time and, and the bit of the soft entry and dipping my toes in, but also on that side, the mentoring came into it as well. So some business mentoring I've found only a few sessions and I would like to do more, but just having an outside perspective and, and finding someone that's possibly been through it before and their learnings, I've found the mentoring on that side to be beneficial. And I enjoyed having the, the mixed role. So it was very different populations I was working with. So I've actually felt energized because I would spend three days in one role and then I'd have three in another. So I, I was enjoying the lifestyle and the, the, the different people I was seeing, uh, it was very different populations. So for me, 
I, I liked the in-between, but then there did come a point where you're going to have to really go in this direction because I was starting to lose clients that, that wanted to, to work with me, but I just wasn't available on that day. Um, and there was start, starting to be some barriers of, of being trying to be in, in two sides. Um, so that's when I yeah decided and, and took the leap of faith and, and thought, with yeah, interest rates rising and in inflation and this recession we're talking about, there's is there going to be a better time to do it, a worse time? I just thought oh, everything's in place. I've I've thought about it. I've thought it through. It's it's time. Because um, I was also thinking like I was looking at doing something else and and working possibly under someone else, but it wasn't the the jobs that were coming out wasn't aligning with the, the the new way I was practicing. I found. A lot of them, from what I could see on their social media or their websites or hearing from other EPs, there was a very structured biomedical way of, of working and just nothing really aligned with how I'd like to work and the things I'd like to do. So I thought as well, if I could create something, then I could attract the type of clients that, that needed that help and, and then hopefully get a team of clinicians that were on the same page. So for me, I couldn't really find it out there as much. So I thought possibly creating it myself was instead of waiting for someone else, I could take that approach and do it myself and, and um, attract people to that. I imagine that would have been a bit of a scary process to take that leap of fate. Well, how did it feel to, to go from that transition? And then you mentioned that mentoring also helped to during that transition from part-time to full-time business owner how did it feel and how's it feel now so it's scary definitely um you're thinking about business a lot of the time um with a so a salary job so you've got the security so i knew i was what i was getting paid every week um i knew where i was what i was doing if i had um dna's cancellations i was still paid for that time um, whereas in my business, I may not be. And there's a lot of work behind the scenes. And even though you might see a higher rate of pay, possibly, especially in uh, some schemes, if once you've gone through all your expenses and the time and management behind the scenes, um, it's, it's not as much as, as people may seem to think it is initially. So there's definitely pros and cons, but ultimately this more aligned with my values. So growing up, my family was in business. So I lived that experience already and resonated with it. And it's something I wanted to do. I wanted to create something and, and yeah, an ethical business and uh, person-centered and the autonomy that I got and, and all those great things with, with business that overrided any of the fear or like if we're looking at acts. So I had that feeling and I grounded myself and I'm having the thought of this or things like that. And then I looked at what was the, the meaningful direction, the values that I wanted to live by and what's the next step I can take. And then it just brought me back and then I'm on that path. So even though it's scary, uncomfortable, you have feelings, this, was this the right idea? Um, I know what I want and it, it, it aligns well with me. And that's why I can... I can live with those uncomfortable feelings. It's fine. But the mentoring, it can definitely assist. So you just get an outside, like with the clinical mentoring, an outside perspective. And I haven't done a business degree. I, I haven't got the skills in that. And we, we seek out skills from the people that live in that world. And I picked up some great um, strategies and tips and ways of thinking from business mentors. And sometimes when you're having a down week, that can be, the debrief with the mentor, that can be the thing that, oh, it's normal to go through this and, and, and what can we do about it? So really mentoring has been a key for my growth. Um, and I can, yeah, really see the benefits and, and why it's so crucial to, to have some support to, and a coach, really like a coach or a guide that's along there. So not, not so directive all the time. It's my goals. It's my values. Um, but they can guide me through the processes. And I've got someone there to really listen to me. Yeah, in all areas of life, that's so important, that coach, that guidance, that, that support, because we are so influenced by people around us. 
mate, it's been an amazing conversation and I've learned a lot from your journey and it sounds like you've been pulled in different directions. Amazing to hear the, throughout this time, the humility, that curiosity, that growth mindset that you have. Is there anything though that I've, I've missed or perhaps a final takeaway for, for clinicians listening along piece of advice? Yeah, I'd say that, yeah, humility and compassion is we, we've done all this a lot of time, time at uni. So put a lot of time and effort in and we've been um, taught this, this way of working and then we can get out in the real world and people are complex and it can feel like it's a struggle and it's hard. And, and I think, yeah, working with people, it is complex and two people interacting, there's already so, so many things going on. Um, just having compassion for yourself. So you, you are part of the equation as well and there's burnout and it can impact your mental health, things like that. So I think seeking support that we do it in other areas of life and we recommend it to our patients all the time. What's your social support like? What's your support system? But we can forget about ourselves. And with COVID and, and all the things that have been going on recently and just general uh, practice, it can be, it's a challenging profession at times. So Saying that you're struggling is normal and taking that step, I think, to, to ask for support. So I did see at the end of the, the course, they mentioned the mentoring and it was some time, some lurking on the Facebook page, um, some more difficult experiences before I really took that leap to, to start the mentoring. And I, looking back, I wish I just jumped in, but that's just how it is. Um, but yeah, just being easy on yourself. But when you need support, just reaching out to the right places and, and um, asking for help. Amazing. Mate, really appreciate your, your insights and um, the authenticity that just I can feel from here. Um, for the listeners that are keen to connect with you, and you mentioned active connections as well as there, where can people find you if they wanted to reach out? So if you look up uh, active connections on Facebook, so we're based on the Gold Coast and service uh, the entire Gold Coast and northern New South Wales Tweed. Um, so Active Connections on Facebook or the website iliveactive.com.au. Mate, amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Danny. And uh, I'm keen to see where the business, your future takes you. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. I always value our chats and and all of the time we've spent mentoring and, and um, plan to, to jump into some group mentoring sessions um, as I yeah, transition to the business full-time next year with new challenges and, and new things going on. So yeah, I very much value your input to my growth and for having me today on the podcast. Thank you, mate.